fear. Fear is a liar. That's what we're here to talk about today. Fear is a liar. It'll rob your rest. Check out Zach Williams sometime. So let's talk about fear today because there seems to be so much of it going around. If you saw that debate, how much fear did that kick up for you? No matter who you believe in, no matter who you're voting for, it had to kick up some stuff. What are we all so dang afraid of? What is going on here? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. What are we all afraid of? We're afraid of the unknown. And we have two ways of managing fear, basically. One is we ignore it, right? We go, oh, that's too damn scary. You know what? The president will handle that, or my doctor will handle that, or whatever. It's too scary. We're just going to let someone else take care of it. And that's avoiding it. And the other way is we obsess about it. Oh, my God. My kids are going back to school. What if they bring the plague back here? Oh, my God. Uh, what if my daughter coming back from college brings the virus? Oh, my God, I got the sniffles. I might have the virus. What am I going to do? I need to get tested. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, we just get absolutely obsessive. Those are the two ways we react to fear. Or we, we run. Stuff it. Obsess about it run away from it. Those are kind of the choices. And we've been talking over the last few weeks about risk management uh, a good deal. And what the heck is risk management? Risk management is really about fear management. So risk management sounds like this super corporate term that doesn't have any application to our daily lives. But when you think about it as fear management, it has everything to do with our day-to-day -day lives. What are the things that we're afraid of? We're afraid of losing our job and not being able to support our families, or we're afraid of coming off of unemployment and not being able to support our families, or we're afraid of getting sick and not being able to go to work, or we're afraid of getting sick and dying, or we're afraid of getting sick and getting someone we love dead. What else are we afraid of? We're afraid of how we look in front of other people. We're afraid of what might happen to this country over the next year. We're afraid of so many things that are out of our control, out of our control. That's the problem. We fear the things we can't control. And the reality is how much can we control? What can you control really? Can you control your husband? Can you control your wife? Can you control your children? You may think you can, but not really. The only thing that we have the remotest control over is between our ears. It's our mind. And fear operates and dwells within our mind. So if we really want to address the fear, it's not about trying to get our family to do certain things or not get them to do certain things, though that might help. It's about the source between our ears. What happens if Trump wins the election? What's going to happen to this country? What happens if Biden wins the election? What's going to happen to this country? Right now, the projection is that if Biden wins, that the militias in the Midwest are going to come out with their machine guns and try and take over. And the other side, the prediction is that if Trump wins, the Black Lives Matter movement is going to go wild on the coast in the coastal cities and bring out their machine guns and try and take over. How real is that? Have we ever 
had an armed insurgency in this country besides the Civil War. And the Civil War was not an uprising. It was one part of the country doing battle with another part of the country. We have never had a real armed insurgency in this country. So why are we so afraid about it now? Because we're outside of our normal routines and our mind is going wild. The things that we usually keep our mind in check with, going to work, going to the gym, going to spiritual retreats, churches, synagogues, yoga, whatever you got going on, all of those things are done now. And our mind is just bouncing off the walls. And so now, if one side wins or the other side wins, it's gonna explode no matter what. It's not gonna explode. And if it does, it's manageable. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with, first, the obsession? How do we deal with this thing of um, fear becoming larger than life, fear stealing our joy? It's stealing our joy, all this fear. It's getting to the point where we can't imagine a future without something terrible happening. That's fear, stealing our joy in the moment. My wife said to me yesterday, I'm tired of being afraid of being sick, she said to me. And this morning she got up and she said, I'm not taking a COVID test, I'm fine. Because she was fine, but she was so afraid. She was thinking, I need to go take that test. I need to go take that test. How long do we want to live like that? We need to, at some point, say enough is enough. How, how do we deal with avoiding fear? But I mean, there are people who just aren't even thinking about this stuff. They're cocooned in their homes. They're working. They're dealing with their children. And they're just not worrying what happens on the outside. Well, if people go out in the march with their guns, I'm in my house. They won't come in here. Well, that's actually not completely true. What we know about people with guns is they pretty much go where they want. That's been proven to us again and again and again. And when we avoid our fear, when we just don't wanna think about, when we don't wanna think about the outcome of an election or we don't wanna think about what's going on with COVID-19, that's when we're really malleable and manipul manipulatable. In marriages where there's a narcissist who is gaslighting the, the other partner, Gaslighting is based on manipulating the fears of the other person. Now, so we've done previous episodes about racism and how gaslighting promotes racism. Gaslighting promotes fear. Gaslighting is what got us the Patriot Act, which I still think is one of the biggest mistakes this country ever made. Gaslighting is what got us the Patriot Act. Why? Because we were so afraid of terrorists that we were willing to sell out our rights and allow our... At this point, we could be picked up as a terrorist, locked up, never get representation, and not even go before a judge if, if the government labeled us a terrorist. That's an example of stuffing a fear and giving our power away. So how much is that happening with COVID-19 right now? How much are we stuffing the fear and giving our power away? I think there's a, a lot of complaining on at least one side of the fence that some of the intense lockdowns that are happening are above and beyond. That's, and we've, and we've bound to those lockdowns. By the way, the government doesn't have a lot of ways of enforcing the lockdowns, but we've bowed to the lockdowns because they know better and we don't, and we're scared. 
And then there are parts of the country where there's no lockdown happening. There's no caution whatsoever, right? And that's, we're avoiding the fear and acting as if nothing is wrong. And COVID-19 is on the rise in those areas. And somewhere in between is an informed way to manage the risk of catching COVID-19, which for most people is a common cold, for some people is a death sentence. And we are starting to know who those people are. Risk management is about finding out what is the risk, facing the fear. All right, there's this unknown virus. All right, there's this fighting opposing forces in our country. What, how much is the risk? How much, how possible is this to really happen? What's the worst case scenario? What's the base, best case scenario? And what are the things in between? Fear, facing your fear is about risk management. It isn't just about saying, I'm not gonna be afraid and I'm gonna go out and fight this thing without knowing what you're up against because we're seeing that in some parts of the country right now. I'm not gonna be afraid. This is all made up. This isn't real. I'm as likely to die from COVID as I am in an airplane crash. And that might actually be true. That actually might be true that you are as likely to die from COVID as being in an airplane crash, but it might not be true for your mom. It might not be true for your dad. It might not be true for your neighbor's kid who has asthma. It might not be true for a lot of other people because what we're finding out about COVID is that the people who are dying are the people who have extenuating circumstances, pre-existing conditions, heart problems, lung problems, breathing problems, So we can't just take this laissez-faire attitude of, there's no risk, I'm gonna do what I want, because that's not true. If we're really gonna be responsible in facing our fear, we look at the fear squarely in the eyes, and we look at the risk, not just to ourselves, but to our immediate family. We look at the risk to our neighbors. We look at the risk to our loved ones. And we make decisions honoring the risk to other people. The concept behind a fierce lockdown is we're going to stop this from spreading. Now we're not going to allow anyone to take any risks or minimize the risk taking. And so we can nip this thing in the bud, which was an effective strategy in China. We hear, we don't know. We don't really know what happened there. We only know what the Chinese have reported to us. But as an ongoing strategy, maybe not so good. Maybe good in the short run, but it is an ongoing strategy, but we don't know. So what do we do when we don't know and we wanna manage the risk? We explore the possibilities. Let's just back off of COVID for a second and talk about a marital situation. Let's say that you're in a marital situation, you're in a, you're, you're in a relationship that hasn't been working for some time and being locked up together or being in the midst of fear together, maybe you're in an area where there isn't a lockdown, being in the midst of fear together is adding more stress and bringing to light the cracks in your relationship. And no doubt it's bringing up fear. Oh my God, what happens if this relationship falls apart while this is going on, while all this change is going on. So what's happening is the stressor of the possible changes is putting pressure on the relationship. And the relationship itself isn't that strong to begin with. Maybe it's 
got some cracks in it and slightly out of sync and not slightly out of alignment. But at the same time, you don't feel like you can address the cracks and the stresses because the pressure is on. And so you're in this lose-lose situation of your inner marriage that's not working very well, but it's all you got. And the very stressors that are causing you to stay in it are the things that are pushing you to get out of it. There's a lot of fear that comes in that situation. There's fear of the outside stressors. There's fear of even if COVID is a complete sham, there's the fear of what's happening to the world economy as people buy that sham. Or if COVID's real, there's the economic pressure and the reality of what COVID is doing. We've, there's no arguing with that a couple hundred thousand people have had COVID-related deaths, if not COVID-driven deaths. There's no arguing with that. Change is here. Change is coming. Change is scary sometimes. So there's all those fears. And your partnership, which is supposed to be the main source of your solace, the place, the bedrock upon which you can rely is shaken. What do you do with that? The more you ignore it, if you ignore the fear, the, the core fear of the bedrock of your, of your relationship, this, this marriage or partnership that you've had for years and years and you relied on and under these circumstances proves to be unsteady. If you ignore it, does it get better? No. If you ignore it, it gets worse. And if you ignore it, you become vulnerable to selling out your power. Maybe what happens is you start giving your partner more power in the relationship because you just don't want this thing to go away, even though it's unreliable, even though it's shaky. And so maybe they've got more power over you now than they did before. And maybe they're using that power in a way that's painful to you. Maybe you feel like your needs are not being met. Maybe you feel like they're getting more out of it than you are. Maybe you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and giving and getting nothing in return. And, and then you just go to frustration and self-loathing. And then you start hating them and blaming them. And then the foundation gets even shakier. Or maybe they're feeling that way. Maybe you're carrying the relationship. You're doing everything you can to carry. You see that your spouse is shaking. You're carrying the relationship and you're doing everything that you think is right. And you don't understand why they're so mad at you. You don't understand why it is they split between showing up and taking care of things and then just being furious and exploding. And you can't figure out why. And there's all this stuff going on on the outside and this is going on on the inside. Maybe you're in that position. This is a perfect example of how fears compound so that the most important things in our lives, which by the way, is not going to the gym or going to the office or going to church, which could be important or going to synagogue, which could be important. It's our partnership, our family. Our family is at the core of what's the most important. How all these fears can compound and shake up the things that are most important to us when we ignore them. Or let's go to the other side. What if we're obsessing about it? Oh my God, my marriage sucks. What am I gonna do? Oh, this is so painful, this is so awful. I'm gonna kill him. I know I'm gonna kill him. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave him. Uh, where am I gonna go? It's COVID. Oh, I, I haven't got a job. Where am I gonna get the money? Oh my God, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna get the money? Oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared I'll never have a job. Oh, I'm so scared I'll have no place to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And you just obsess about those fears and never take an action. So on the one hand, we avoid our fears and we're malleable and manipulatable and feel like crap. And on the other hand, we're obsessed about the fear and we're terrified and we don't feel like we can move forward in our lives and we feel like caca. The third solution is to take it head on, to face it. So how do you face that kind of fear? Especially when it involves another person. So your options are to work out your side on your own, work it out together, or just, or, or just do something rash. Well, we know how well doing something rash works, right? We're seeing that in parts of the country where people were in complete denial about COVID and now they're seeing an uprise, an upkick in COVID and they're starting to have concerns about how they're gonna manage it. We know how well that works, doing something rash. Like sometimes you get lucky and you do something rash and it's a win. Sometimes you do something rash and it completely poisons everyone around you. And honestly, doing something rash, shooting from the hip, since you got maybe a 50-50 chance of having it work, shooting from the hip alone is never gonna get you there. Facing fear by thinking through all the aspects of the fear, breaking them down into smaller pieces, this is what's gonna get you there. Thinking down through, all right, what's best for my children? What's best for me? What's best for him? What's best for her? Depending on your gender and who you're with. What's best for my parents? What's best for my in-laws? How can I work this through in a way that's best for everyone? How can I rationally think this way through? How can I move above the fear? Fear happens in our amygdala, the part of our brain that is always looking for danger. And that part of our brain is constantly chattering and talking. And when we're in it, it can have us. And the way to get out of that is to observe. So if you're listening to this and you've been following me, you're probably observing your fears at this point, right? This is a very rational conversation, maybe with a little touching some pain points, but very rational conversation. If you can observe that fear, you can own it. You need to get into the mindset of that fear. You need to understand where it's coming from, what's driving it, and you need to own it. You need to, instead of fear sucking the soul out of you, you suck the soul out of your fear. And you do that by attacking it systematically. All the possible outcomes of the fear, think it through, best, worst, what's absolutely unacceptable to you out of those outcomes? Like what are the outcomes you will, you will die rather than have happen because those values are so high to you? What's at the root of your fear? What are you really afraid of? I mean, inside of you, you know, when somebody, when a relationship isn't good and the bedrock isn't steady, sometimes what's inside is I don't feel adequate to the problem. Sometimes what's inside is I need to be loved. Why am I being loved? Sometimes what's inside is I feel unlovable. I mean, it can be any, any irrational thought like that. Get to the root of that and rip that sucker out. Or if we're talking about fear on a, on a national scale, if we're talking about even uh, fear of, let's just leave COVID out of this. Let's talk about fear of economic insecurity. What's at the root of that? It might be, I'm afraid that I'll be homeless because my dad was homeless and I don't wanna be like him. But when you think about it, being homeless in this country, at least you eat. 
the homeless eat better in this country than 80% of the world population does who are earning money. I mean, the, the grade, the quality of food and the amount of food that we have is so much better here and so available. I can testify to this. I've been homeless. And when I was homeless, I ate in soup kitchens. And you know what? I didn't love bologna sandwiches and I didn't love that the food wasn't spiced to my specific taste, but I ate and I ate well. And when I went on food stamps, we don't have food stamps anymore. Now we've got a card. You know, they gave me a big block of American cheese. And I didn't like American cheese, but I ate it. I figured out how to eat that huge 10 pound block. I, I ate everything they gave me. It wasn't the best food, but I ate. And I ate better quality food than people I've seen in Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam and South America and Africa and other places in the world. So what am I really afraid of if I'm afraid of financial insecurity? I'm really afraid of what are they gonna think about me? What is my family gonna think? What are my friends gonna think? Oh my God, I lived my whole life and I ended up here. Well, ending up here is a temporary place. Trust me on this. I've been there and now I'm in a place of financial security. Thank you. Didn't do that on my own. So when you face the fear and really think it through and look at all the permutations of it and look at the source and have confidence that even if it were the worst case scenario were to come about, it would be temporary. Or have confidence that you stand for certain things not happening in your life and that you will not permit it and you do have some power or choice and influence in not permitting those things. The fear will diminish because fear is a liar. So you may be wondering, how do I get started on this? Uh, a way you could do it is sit down uh, with your biggest fear and just start writing, writing out the worst thing that can happen, the best thing that can happen, and all the things in between. Another thing you can do is you can start thinking about who are the players that are involved in this fear? Like who are the people, who are the stakeholders? If we're talking about going back to the relationship example, it's your partner. It's your children. It's the people that you impact in your immediate circles. Who are the players? What are their interests? Where their interest is important. What's their investment? What do they want to get out of it? What are they committed to? What's their experience? Where can I find partners? Where are people who aren't allies, but might be allies? If I talk to my partner about this, would they be an ally? Would they be willing to work on it with me? Maybe you need to get together some outside help. Maybe you need professional allies. It's possible. Very often when we're jammed up and against it, we need outside help. It might be a pastor, it might be a not-for-profit. If you have some money, it might be someone you can pay, but outside help is a good thing. Having mentors in your life is a good thing. Having people who have been where you want to go is a good thing because they can teach you how to get where you wanna go, especially if you've never been there. It's very hard to climb a mountain, like let's say Mount Everest, without a Sherpa. Sherpas have been up and down Mount Everest a bunch of times and they know all the rest areas and they know all the good stuff. If you wanna make it to the top around Mount Everest, you get a Sherpa who's basically a mountain climbing mentor. They make sure you have the equipment you need, they pace, they make sure that you're ready for the climb, they tell you when to rest, they tell you when to push. Sometimes if we wanna go someplace new, unexplored territory, we need someone who has been there. Some other ways you can do this is Get a prayer life or a meditation life or mindfulness practices because studies show that when you have these things in your life, you're less, people are less fearful. And if I went back to the brain example, studies show that when you do 
prayer, when you do mindfulness, when you do meditation, your cerebral cortex, which is rational, lights up and your amygdala stops firing up. It actually stops that part of your brain that's driving the fear from talking to you. That it's always chattering, always identifying danger, unless you're in prayer or meditation or mindfulness that shuts that down. So those are some tools that you can use. Get facts. Facts are really important. When I'll go back to COVID. When COVID first started, the first thing that we did was we looked up the Spanish flu, which is the closest thing to COVID that's happened in the last century. And we looked at how long in this house is what we did in the first weeks of COVID, because we were all bouncing off the walls. What's this going to do to our lives? We looked at the Spanish flu. Uh, how is it? Where were the mistakes made? And where were the successes made? And what we learned from the Spanish flu in this house was that COVID was not going to be a three-month experience. It was going to be at least a year, maybe two, possibly three, depending on how well everyone managed it. And we learned that from the Spanish flu because what we learned from the Spanish flu was it takes 75% of the population to have had a virus in order for there to be enough immunity for the risk of it to go away. And so what we knew was that it was going to take some time, even if there were a vaccine and everybody weren't afraid to take it, it would still take, if there were a vaccine on the planet this moment, at least six months before we would hit that point where we had COVID managed. So we knew from the get-go that we were in this for a year or maybe two. And that helped, believe it or not. At first it was like, oh man, what are we going to do with this? Well, and the next step was, all right, how are we going to deal with that? Now that we know what's coming, because we did the research. So research is really important. When there are unknowns, look for similar things, similar things in your life that you've overcome, similar things in history, if it's about something that's historical that you don't know anything about, and apply them to your current situation. That's going to help tremendously. That's part of risk management. It's also part of putting fear down like the dead dog it should be. The only thing fear is good for, and fear has a purpose. Fear is here to inform us of risk. So our amygdala, that part of our brain that's looking for danger, it's here to say, oh my God, that might be a tiger. And the next step is, do I know how to deal with a tiger? Damn straight I do, I got a gun, I'm gonna kill that sucker. Or I know nothing about a tiger, I'm gonna run. Or I'm terrified I'm gonna play dead, which actually if you don't have a gun might be the best thing you can do with a tiger, believe it or not, because they run faster than we do and they climb trees for the most part. Fear is an informer. Fear is actually a God-given gift in that it informs us of possible risks. But what's happened is we've allowed our fear to run our lives instead of using it as a tool. Just like anger is a God-given gift that lets us jump out of fear into action. But if we stay in anger, we poison everyone around us. All right, these emotions, these reactions, they're meant to help us in life, but we've gotten so disconnected from them. We've, we've allowed them to dominate our lives. So the challenge here is to face your fear, embrace risk management. We've done 
two earlier presentations, maybe three even on risk management. Go back through earlier podcasts or video blogs, or uh, uh, if you're on Facebook, go through the Facebook Lives and dig up those risk management pieces because there are gems in there to help you through these times. And if you're still having trouble seeing how it works, or if this is like putting a Band-Aid on an artery, if you're in a relationship where it's just too unsteady and you can't even talk to your partner, get some help, private message me, reach out to me. Uh, my email is rich at richinrelationship.com. Or maybe you need, uh, I've got a free masterclass for people who wanna build their relationships. Maybe your relationship is shaky, but you feel like it's buildable. Go to our free masterclass at bit.ly forward slash friend and partner, all one word, friend and partner, because that's what we want, right? We want our, the other person to be our friend and our partner. And lover isn't a bad thing either, but with friend and partner is the basis for our rock solid relationship. bit.ly forward slash friend and partner. Any of these resources, use them. If you reach out to me, we'll have a free call and I'll give you some next steps. This is not a money-making prospect here. We're looking to impact what's in the bigger culture so that we can all move forward together. So just get it. Fear is a liar. Have an awesome, awesome day or night, whatever you're doing. And thank you.